You are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics, Episode 6. Woo! <laughs> Hello and welcome to 11 O'Clock Comics. I'm Vince B. I'm Christopher Neesman. I'm David Price. And I'm Jason Wood. We, we got we got the, the name roll call. We got to do the drink roll call now. Okay, That's, you started off, buddy. All right. Well, Mr. Wood, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I am drinking uh, Diet Dr. Pepper with some Stoli vanilla in it. Oh, very Ooh. nice. Very nice. Mm-hmm. That is. Um, m- Mr. Price? Uh, I'm drinking a Mike's Tar Lemonade on in one hand, and I have uh, I still have some cranberry and vodka, but I added some vermouth to it. Ah, you're double-fisting. <laughs> nice. Jesus. <laughs> I, I'm the cheap date. I'm drinking Yingling Lager, a nice, cold, mm-hmm. frosty bottle of Yingling Lager. Very beer nice. of choice. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, th- this, week's, uh, this week's bourbon drink comes uh, courtesy of uh, one Mr. Freaky Tiki. I went to the comic shop tonight and had a, a box waiting for me at the store. And I'm like, what's this? And I open it up, and uh, and Tim was kind enough to send me a little bottle, actually a medium-sized bottle, not a full fifth, but uh, uh, some nice bottle of Maker's Mark and some uh, some some Lay's. And he left a note in there that uh, uh, with instructions that I was to save it until the next time that I recorded on around comics and share it with everyone but you know i it was it's a bottle of bourbon so i had to open it up so <laughs> tonight um tonight i'm having a a bourbon um uh, uh a bourbon manhattan which sh- you should just be able to say manhattan but being so close to wisconsin there are some some cheese heads out there that will make a manhattan with brandy which is kind of blasphemous but uh a, bur- or a bourbon man manhattan is uh about Eh, three ounces or a good heavy pour of bourbon, a uh, dash of vermouth. You can put bitters in there if you want to, and you can serve it on the rocks or straight up in a martini glass. And you garnish it with a maritino cherry, and that's what I'm having tonight. So that's uh, this week's 11 o'clock martini. Cool. You know, it's really neat of Tim mm. to give you potato chips with that bourbon. <laughs> he said he gave, he gave you lace. Oh, right? lace. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's he's he sent us some Hawaiian ways before, but but Tim Tim is the man of of all things tiki, and and we talked about it before the show. He's also one of the uh, most generous podcast listeners out there. He he really uh, appreciates what we do as podcasters, and I, I think that we in turn really appreciate him as a listener and a contributor to a bunch of forums. and And he always brings the knowledge. He's a he's a good guy and and a good a good comics fan. You're not kidding. Uh, Thank goodness Comic Day has returned to Wednesday this week. Everything feels mm-hmm. like it should. Yes. Yeah. And uh, This is true. I, after you um, said Chris Neesman, I was going to say, 
speaking for every comic fan since 2004. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Because you were you not aware Sal says. of Sal's attack on our board today? Attack. No. He carpet bombed us with just no, offensive, not. belligerent, antagonistic posts. And I had to defend you. I really did. Because he was cutting you. He was cutting you know you're in trouble, Chris. <laughs> well, I'm used to it. Well, you know he does that from the office right next to me. So we were probably talking to each other while he was doing it, which oh, shows yeah. you how evil he is. The I man, mean, he has he, no shame. None. You know, we've all learned, you know, our moral compass from the heroes that we read about in comics, he's learned how to be a diabolical criminal mastermind. Ah. Yeah, well, it, he, he, he does it very well. So, <laughs> you know, I, I figure you guys lobbed one in our direction last week, which was really softball. I mean, you, you, you pumped it up like you, you cut wood and myself down. That was nothing. I mean, whatever. <laughs> nothing. So, so, so this week, we'll volley one back, and you guys can hit it. A little bit of continuity between the podcasts. That's what okay, we Okay, there you That's go. Awesome. The unofficial crossover. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot of fun. Actually, um, did you get uh, did you get Mr. Kramer's email today, Vince? I sure did. Are we going to be able to do a little crossover? Uh, I will not be there until Friday. <sighs> I'm coming out okay. Friday, so. Well, may, maybe we can work something out. Yeah, I'll be there in spirit, though. Yep. Yeah, just for uh, for people, we actually haven't even talked about it on Around Comics, but uh, we've uh, we've picked the Starman Omnibus Volume One as our book of the month. We're going to bring back a book of the month selection because we think that people on the forums really enjoyed it, and it's going to be uh, kind of forum centric. But we may throw out an actual book of the month uh, program from time to time. But we're going to start out with Starman, and at the end of the month is Wizard World Chicago. So we're going to see uh, about getting Matt Kramer and and a couple other people together to talk about it so maybe if you guys are in town we can uh, all sit down and talk about uh some uh james robinson tony harris goodness there so but that's our show let's talk about uh, 11 o'clock i was gonna say what the hell is this it's like the around comics promo yeah i know <laughs> tell you what's coming up this week no why don't you do that no really I i'm interested what's coming up this uh week? oh yeah actually we're talking with uh with one cody from uh uh, Cisco Kid versus Wyatt Earp, and he's also doing a webcomic called Chicago 1968, which uh, you can uh, come over and get the link over at our site. I think it's lencody.com slash 1968. And we sit down with he and his artist, a gal named Jenny Fizzin, uh, uh Prison, um, like prison, but with an F. Uh, great gal. Wen is a great guy, and they are doing a really cool historical webcomic about about Chicago in 1968. What did I just go Donald Duck on everyone? <laughs> Big. You, you did Super Duck. That was oh. The Oh, uh, they're doing anyway. The, these these two folks are doing a, a fantastic uh, uh, web comic about Chicago, based in 1968. So, um, all sorts of good stuff talking about that. I will keep an eye out for that. Mm -hmm. It's good stuff. So today was Comic Wednesday. What did everybody get? Life and Times of Scrooge McDuck. Oh, you you're my favorite podcast. No, I'm I already I already had it, but I had been reading it. And then I decided not to because I thought that's what was bringing on the duck voice. So ah, uh, no, it's just your karma. That's what it is. <laughs> you know, I actually didn't pick up anything today. I was uh, I was going to stop by Midtown and pick up uh, Trinity and the new issue of Secret Invasion, but uh, work kept me late, so I didn't get a chance. Is that is that the Manhattan Midtown? Yeah, yeah. 
you know, you know, I mean, just you, you just kind of throw that out there. How cool that is for for Midtown to be your shop. I've heard that place is awesome. Uh, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, I, I have no complaints about it. It's just, you know, high volume. Really, don't give you much of a discount, but they have everything you'd ever want, pretty much at all times. So, yeah, it's cool. I mean, I, I don't know. It seems like it has a, a bigger reputation um, outside of New York than than it does in New York, but uh, it serves its purpose. And, and they have that crazy ass wraith maker working there. <laughs> oh God! I tell you what, though, <laughs> in all seriousness, now he is born for that job. Oh, I know. The, oh, I thought. You saw him at uh, episode three hundred. The guy is just a bundle of energy. He doesn't stop. Raph is a good guy. Oh, he's yeah. he's yeah, he's a sweetheart, but he's mm-hmm. he's so goddamn funny. <laughs> my, my, Mike Norton got up to get up to the microphone and, and talk, and and Raph was yelling Asian power. <laughs> oh, nice. I, I don't get it, but it was funny. <laughs> the Adam, maybe I don't know. Uh, whatever. Yeah, there you go. David put it together. <laughs> but anyway, let's get back to New Comic Day. Guess what I bought today. Um, Trinity number one. Yes, Trinity number one. <laughs> and David knew this was coming. I'll let you guys talk about it if you've read it or mm-hmm. if you've looked through it. But I will say one thing. And as soon as I leaf through it at the comic shop, this popped into my mind. After the shit sandwich that was Countdown, mm-hmm. this thing is a nice, refreshing little cup of sorbet. Awesome. Hopefully it will cleanse my comic palette from all that shit and we'll get on to some real well-constructed readable comics which and is what this was after reading it yeah is, yeah uh, mm-hmm. is, is is art t-bear the anchor on bagley yes he is good okay bagley yeah. draws an awesome wonder woman i was just gonna say that you bastard you. <laughs> he, he does he really does you know he has a tendency to masculate his women is that the word i'm looking for um most of his women faces have a tendency looking the same like there was a couple of instances Mm -hmm. in ultimate spider-man where gwen was looking like a tranny and yeah very angular right very angular and sunken Mm -hmm. yeah and i know lena Mm -hmm. lena brought that up on her blog but i i have i noticed that a long time ago, but not saying that uh, haha, I got it first, but I mm-hmm. noticed that, but th- this issue I thought was really a beautiful setup because it's basically a character piece. It mm-hmm. is fantastic character moments and what I what I liked about it was it was the character moments of the alter egos as opposed to the traditional trinity. We got to see Bruce Wayne be Bruce Wayne instead of Batman being Batman, which mm-hmm. I thought was awesome. Yeah. And and the the whole sequence on the dock with the uh something as simple as ordering food, it showed you exactly who these people are. Mm-hmm. Bruce is the complex one, so he can't just order a plain coffee. He has to have this a mocha latte, blah, 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 you know, steamed to a certain degree with something else in it and some butterscotch. It's like, and, uh, and, and, uh, Clark just orders, you know, just give me some juice. But if it's, if, but if it's not too much trouble, you know, I'll have some pancakes too. So he's the one unencumbered. Yep. By, well, by whole, wholesome. No coffee, just juice. Right. But then that's the thing about Diana. Mm-hmm. She orders black coffee. Yep. Yeah, like her men. 
<laughs> all, all, all business and yeah, straight she, to the point, man. She's undiluted. She's at full strength. And it, it's something as simple as just ordering drinks, and he used it so, to such good effect in this. It was mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. neat. That's music. Yeah. That's great. I, 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 really, I really enjoyed it, but um, um, I love the, uh, the headline story. The, the backup. I felt was a little a little long, but I have a feeling that you liked it, Vince. The backup, oh yeah, yeah I like the backup <laughs> a lot Be- because it was the a nice little counterpoint to what was going on in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Where that oh. was that was cool. Where Sorry, you, that was a Mexican uh, doorbell here in <laughs> Albany Park. <laughs> oh, you, you had the the three heroes in mm-hmm. the beginning, so now you have the, the three counterparts. What the hell? At the end, it's not me. Yeah, no, it's not you. And uh, I, th- are, are, so are we still on here? Is everybody? Yeah, we're still here. I'm okay. here. Let's proceed. the uh, The Arcana angle is really neat. This is Morrison territory. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I felt that. Speed in tongues to me right now, so I haven't read it. So, well, there's a sequence where this woman—I don't know who it is—I I don't think it's Madame Xanadu—but uh, she's playing with tarot cards and she pulls three. One is the devil, one is strength, and one is justice. Mm-hmm. And they—they mm-hmm. they transform into their Trinity counterparts, which is really neat. It was cool. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah. I—I I thought McDaniel was a lot tighter than he's, he has been in a long time. Did he uh did he do the countdown arena stuff? Yeah. Uh yeah. I, I'm I'm looking forward to Mike's work on the backup story. I, I can't wait to see Mike do these do these stories. So not that not that I hated McDaniel. Eh, it was alright. But but Bagley is just gonna nail the lead story and I think that Mike is gonna be a really nice compliment to the to the backup stories. Yeah. yeah. You know, Bagley um, was born to do something like this, right? I mean he yeah. if there's ever been a an artist that was born to do a weekly series, probably was him. Uh, local boy Tom Durenick is going to be doing some of the backups too. Is that how you say his name? Yep. Oh, cool. Okay. A giant of a man. He's he's every inch of um, Mike Norton. He's that, really he's that big. Yeah, huge. Who would who would win in a cage fight? Oh, they know each other, and 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 I, they have a mutual respect. So I don't think they would ever throw down. Really. Uh-huh. I'll ask Mike. He'll probably he'll probably have an answer for you. He, I bet you he'd say Tom because Tom has a, <laughs> I think Tom has a little bit of weight on him. Okay. Yeah, but uh, all in all, it it um, threw a couple questions out there, a couple scenarios that may or may not come to pass, and it uh, the hooks are there. I I thought the issue was really good. It, it threw me a little bit because I I didn't know it was the Riddler at first. When did he become this um, high tech uh, criminal? Oh, you think they're they're. You think that was literal, the Enigma name, that's, that's going to be Edward Enigma? Well, the staff is a question mark. Oh, what's it? Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah, okay. The, well, the, I, guess it's, I guess it's Edward then. That's, uh, oh, it is a question mark. Gosh, you, you see all that stuff. Yeah, um, because I, I have a boring life. And <laughs> okay. Oh, it is quite. Oh, gosh. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, the last I thought that uh, Edward Enigma was... Uh, in the in the Denny um, Detective Comics as as a kind of private investigator in in Gotham, right? I 
have no idea. The, I, 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 yeah, I, I think so. The, the, I think he's. This is probably a future version of Nigma. So uh, we're kind of dorking out here. My, okay, my biggest my biggest complaint about the issue, and this is a big net. I think the logo on the front is terrible. Me too. Exactly. And and I'm assuming that next week when the Batman cover comes out, that the bat will be in front and the other two will be. That's just what I'm thinking. I don't. I think I think they're gonna shuffle based on the the character that takes the cover. Yeah, what I mean, what I mean, what a what a bad photoshop job. I mean And it's Chip Kid that designed it. It's terrible. I know. It it, it totally uh so. does does not speak of his talents. There there's my there's my old man Neesman complaints moment for Tom Caters for can, the week. So. Can I have a complaint? Yeah, go for it. It's it's something that's been bothering me for a very long time and Marvel does it as well. This hyper thin onion skin, crinkly, crackly, barely there paper drives me nuts. I can't stand it. When 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 you touch a piece of paper and the heat from your 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 fingers ripples the paper, that's crap paper. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm sitting there reading it today, and it it rained. And it was kind of damp outside, and the corners, the upper corners, are starting to curl mm-hmm. as as I'm reading it. I mean, what the hell is that? And I and I compared it to the paper used in Final Crisis Number One, totally different paper. Yeah, that's a thicker. It's a more toothy paper than this. I mean, this stuff is barely thin, thick enough, so the uh, ink on the facing page doesn't bleed through. I, and I mean, it is, barely. it is. You know, it is weird. As many comics as they, you know, and I work, I work in printing um, uh, on the on the art on the design side, and as many comics as. As they print, I would figure that they would have a standard right. comic book weight paper that they would <laughs> use in big runs because these are all this is all done on web press. So it, just from a technical standpoint, it seems like it would be easier to buy your paper in bulk and have a standard weight paper. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at uh, at Secret Invasion right now, and you know, I don't, you know, the interior paper is okay, but um, the the cover stock they they went with a like a like an eighty pound cover stock. I'm getting mm-hmm. like real dorky here, printing wise, um, and it's overkill for that. And I think it's to justify the uh, the three ninety nine price tag on it. But I mean the the cover the cover stock is overkill on it. Yeah. You know, I I just wish that they would kind of just be consistent. With- you know, people used to complain about the the stock used for books like Catwoman and Robin, that mm-hmm. that pseudo newsprint with a clip-on bow tie kind of kind of oh, paper. Oh, I like that. I like um, that paper. I, I would take that a million in mm-hmm. a second over this. Yeah. It's just too, it's too flimsy, and that crackle when you turn the page. I don't expect mm-hmm. comics to crackle like that. <laughs> <laughs> I t- we're sitting here arguing about paper. And I know. Um, Let's move on. Yeah, I need to take my beanie off. (laughs) One, one more thing. Was that an awesome Bagley Ragman or what? Oh yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. I want to see that happen. I I think probably what Vince and I are trying to say to everyone out there is that if you were scared off um, from the the DC weeklies because of Countdown, you can jump back on because Trinity looks really promising. Oh, yeah, it does. If every issue is as good. Or better than this one, they're going to have a winner on their hands. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like fun, like it's David said on the comics. forum. When you're starting from zero, it's real easy to go up. Yeah, mm-hmm. very true. You know, so you well, how it. would you compare it to the first issue of Final Crisis? 
Uh, different, totally different creature. Well, I assume that, but I mean, in terms of how excited mm. you are for the rest of the story. Wow. Uh, I'm I, I'm more excited about Trinity than I am Final Crisis. I um I'm kind of done with the flagship um, events right now. I think that they're um, they're just very hollow to me. And I know that Morrison's going to try and spin a pretty fun tale with Final Crisis. I did enjoy the first issue. I wasn't blown away by it, and I know that uh, I know Vince will probably yell at me for that. But you know, I thought it was I thought it was good, not great. Um, I'll I'll read the rest of it. But as far as like other big events, yeah, I'm 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 kind of burnt on it. So I like I like reading some other stuff right now. So, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I I it, I can't even. I'm trying to compare the two in my head, and like you said, they're, they're two different animals. One, yeah. the the Trinity revels in the fact that it's a comic book, especially mm-hmm. with the Morgan Le Fay dialogue in the in this in the backup story. That was pure comic book goodness. I think that Trinity is going to be able to breathe because it has 52 issues to tell its story, where Final Crisis has seven issues to cram in universe changing events. Right. Yeah, but I I enjoyed Final Crisis number one as much as Trinity. I thought it was a really very solid first issue. I am way 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 high on Morrison this week. Good. I, lo- I loved Final Crisis. I loved Batman six seventy seven, and I loved the first two trades of Seven Soldiers of Victory, which I oh. read on the bus the last two days. <laughs> that last trade's gonna fry your ass. <laughs> Holy Sheeta! That's all I have to say. It's it's nuts. It's just crazy. I had the, I I read the the bookend um seven seven soldiers number one mm-hmm. probably three times and I'm still getting stuff out of it. I can't wait. I'm gonna hopefully finish finish it. Um, you know, by Friday. I hope. Well, let's come back to you. Let's hear what David has to say because he's being uncharacteristically quiet in the background. Indeed. What, what, you what guys are you are talking about stuff you've read. I mean, I haven't you read Trinity yet. We could tell you what happens. We could spoil it for you. <laughs> no, I'll just listen to Raging Bullets. There you go. <laughs> As everyone should. Ding. Yes, it's true. Yeah. So what, what, do you, what do you got good for us this week, David? Uh, oh, I, the only things I read when we record that day are are the Marvel books because of the previews. I one thing I, I did read from Marvel that I really enjoyed was uh Wolverine Dangerous Games, which was a one shot. I don't know what they're doing with these one I'm hoping that they're gonna collect these one shots before the movie comes out and maybe because you had this one shot, you have the one from David Lapham a few weeks ago. Uh you know, these are just stories that could be used as a inventory story if, if someone runs if, if old man Logan runs late then they can throw one of these stories in, but they're, they're putting them out as one shots for whatever reason, aside from making money. Mm-hmm. Um, but the main story in dangerous game is gorgeous. Cause it's, uh, it's drawn by Ben Oliver and it floors it. It, it's not a great, it's not, a, it's not the best story, it's not the best Wolverine story in the world. It's not going to give you any new insight. It's not going to enlighten you as far as, who the character is. It's, it's a Wolverine slash Logan tale. It's written by Simon Spurrier. And, uh, and it's, it's a good story. You know, it's, it's, you expect what's going to happen, but I, I was just blown away by the art. That was, that was the big thing that I really enjoyed that, uh, 
that I read this week. As far as some older stuff that, uh, although not too old, that I read, um, I finished everything uh, Umbrella Academy. Oh, mm, I, I very read the nice. Issues in the free comic book day issue. And, very nice. And uh, it, it, it's it's nice seeing um, Boz art in color, and not with that color hued one. Oh, the what the the, 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 two, the, the, the two color. Yeah, sure. yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. and Dave Stewart did a great job coloring by very very Mignola esque. I, I found the entire the entire book to uh, it. Is it time to start referring to Dave Stewart as a superstar colorist? Yes. Why not? Because he's a stud. He really is. <laughs> he, he's he, a stud in Seven he, Soldiers too. He makes so many people's work. That I'm not. I'm not demeaning the 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 pencilers and anchors that he works on. But I mean, a Dave Stewart book. You can tell when when it's a Dave Stewart colored book. He is just. He's he's awesome. Mm-hmm. No question about that. And uh, uh, David, did you read uh, Giant Size Astonishing X Men? I did not get that yet. Oh. There are there are some things that I I get my hands on early, and there are some things that I have to wait until they're available to me because mm-hmm. of uh, of because of one of my situations. I yeah. uh, I have to wait for a coworker who goes to the comic shop I used to go to, so I kind of have to wait for him to finish, and yeah. and then I get a few things thrown my way that I can read and and move on. So he hasn't. Uh, and and he's the reason why I haven't gotten the Trinity yet. But it's uh, no, it's it's something that I definitely, I, I really, really want. I, I need to read it, but I want to read it just to see see the conclusion of this, and so I can find something else. I can go back to getting X Men Legacy as my uh, X Men fix because I don't know how I feel about uh, where Astonishing goes from here, mm-hmm. or with the new creative team, I should say. The uh, the local comic shop owner was really pushing the giant size X-Men number one on me today because mm-hmm. he knows how I felt about the previous issues. And I said, I, I have to have that in the big-ass hardcover like the other two volumes. Right. Or, I, I, because that story is so damn good that uh, I want that in hardcover. So I, I passed on it, but I'm eventually going to read it. D- um, Wood, did you like the conclusion to it without spoiling anything? Do you feel like it was a nice bookend to what Whedon had set up, and you feel like okay, I, I got I got the full story? Yeah, I mean that's exactly it. I think that um, you know I, I it, the the best compliment I can pay to it is that I don't know how how long it's been since the last issue. It's been what at least five six months though, right? And I read a lot of comics each month, and you know usually in that situation. Either I'll read it and if something's delayed that long and think, oh god, I barely remember what happened, or you know I'll have to go back and consciously read, mm-hmm. reread the issues before just to catch up. And this I just went in blind today, just said let me read it and see if if it matters. And I, I felt like I had just read you know the, the issues before this yesterday. Um, you know I picked up right where it left off. I remembered all the nuances, and to me that's just a, a real testament to Whedon's mm-hmm. writing because you know it's been a long time. And um, yeah, I mean, in answer to your question, I think that uh, in typical Whedon fashion, he found a way to wrap up a pretty grand story uh, in you know what thirty-two pages uh, and and leave me completely satisfied despite there being plenty of questions left. So you know, hats off to him. And um, you know, I was kind of critical of him. 
in the middle there of this run because you know they were pretty inconsistent putting it out and uh, uh but I, I think this last arc he you know we may look back on this arc when it's in a collected form and uh and view it as, as one of the all-time classics yeah um you know what i like about his work on astonishing is that he's been very much a steak and potatoes writer it, it's it's a very straightforward almost classic feeling x-men story and it's got the trademark whedon dialogue there was a, just a great uh beast and agent brand moment absolutely in giant mm-hmm. size it was just like okay that that's just a classic whedon mm-hmm. moment there you know on, on the flip side i bought the uh the brave and the bold hardcover today and I bought it because I, I love those stories. I thought they were very entertaining. But if you asked me to explain the plot of the first six issues of Brave and the Bold, I, there's no way I could do it. So I want to sit down and read it all at once. Where Whedon's Astonishing X-Men, very straightforward story. And it was more about those, those character moments and, and you know these events that happened along the way that, that I enjoyed about that. And so it was very, very easy for me to, to read this and not have to go back and read those old issues, just like you said. So, yeah, I, I thought it was, it was fun. It was, it was a good, good giant size issue. Wow. I'm going to have to part ways with you on that straightforward stuff. I I think there's a lot. Oh, oh no, no. I think it's very layered, but okay. I, that that's a testament to his writing is that you can, it, it's, it's very it's very easy to keep the pieces put together from right. A to B to C to okay. B and go, okay, here's the progression of the plot. This is what's going on. Where I read Secret Invasion today and I had to I had to read the full page of plot summary to catch up and then read the issue, which didn't progress things much farther because there's so many different things going on and i feel like i'm in the middle of a storm and it's like okay well you know i've got 25 different sub plot story lines going on and i'm trying to connect them here and it's very confusing and um with whedon's astonishing x-men well it's very multi-layered i don't feel confused at all where i can take months away and i can jump right back into the story yeah, exactly and i and i know who all the main players are and i know their motivations and i know where everyone is trying to get and what they're trying to accomplish where other writers can get that very complicated so i think that's a, a testament to, to whedon's writing and and understanding of the medium which is pretty pretty cool because he's he doesn't do this as his as his primary writing you know career yeah and also too i mean i think props to cassidy and and the decision to basically you know stay on for two and a half years in the book because you know we just don't see that very often anymore where the artist stays on the book that long and uh and and to me it makes a huge huge difference i mean i know you know i mean i not to say there aren't tons and tons of great artists out there but to to have that consistency of style i think really you know in a visual art form i think that definitely had a role to play given how delayed the book was that it just brought you right back into the same scene whereas it was a different artist you you know i think your visual cues would make you kind of think and say now where was i again you know mm-hmm. do i remember this scene you know what happened last issue so i i mean credit to that as well so well, on on astonishing and planetary right but, <laughs> isn't isn't it because of him though in some ways that the books are so delayed oh i assume who, so who cares who cares they're good oh yeah. no no hey but, no they yeah. absolutely are yeah <laughs> i'm not disputing that <laughs> but uh, you know i in i will say that He's lucky 
to have worked with a writer whose material deserves that kind of treatment. But he, yeah. if he was if he was working on a regular book, say if he was uh, penciling Robin or something, and he took this long, he his ass would be bounced. Yeah, it's oh, true. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, speaking of, um, uh, you guys were just we were just talking about Braving um, the Bold for a second there. I just wanted to make mention. Um, I, I don't know. You, I think you guys listen to Word Balloon, right? John Suntress's podcast. He had um, only when I absolutely have to. <laughs> well, he had Mark Wade on uh, a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I thought it was one of the best interviews of of you know a creator I've heard on a podcast in a long, long time because. Wade was just an open book, and um, and he said some pretty interesting things. Now, I don't know if part of that is because he's not feeling as close to the DC higher-ups as he once was because of his boom situation, but um, you know, he, he was pretty candid about a few things, not the, not the least of which was the fact that, uh, and it was a surprise to me at least, he was basically let go of Braving the Bold. It was not his decision to stop at issue 16. He was told by the DC powers that they wanted to go in a different direction, uh, and he talks pretty openly about how you know the sales weren't what, they, what he thought they would be, and you know where he might have gone wrong, and and um, you know if there really is a market in today's um, you know direct market for you know an anthology done in one type of story. Um, it was pretty interesting stuff. And he yeah. he also said something because you made me think of it when you mentioned Robin. He said that he has asked, begged many times over to be the Nightwing writer. And uh, the DC executives, the quote-unquote executives, have have not given him uh, a chance. So uh, some pretty interesting stuff. I'd definitely give it a listen if you guys are all interested yeah. in uh, in Wade or DC. No, DC would rather put Bruce fucking Jones on Nightwing and, and, and totally screw the title up. Well, I mean, you know, you're not too far off from Wade's perspective. I mean, Wade thinks that... Um, his words, I think, were that there's there's at least one major DC executive that does not like Nightwing as a character, and he thinks that that's played a role oh, in so, we'll see. <laughs> you know what they should do with Brave and the Bold? Package it together with Batman Confidential and Superman Confidential and sell it as a monthly anthology. It's already an anthology. You know, the, the, the People dumb- want to buy anthologies, though. Well, maybe we should try and change their perception of the anthology. <laughs> maybe it's, here, here, it's got here, a stigma. Here's my old man rant. Uh-oh. Okay, are you ready? Sure. Chris um, Eastman rant session. If, the, if, if they're going to continue to force big events on us with absolutely no break, then they can't expect people to try out one-and-done issues in series like Brave and the Bold and for those to be successful because there are, is only so much money in, in the comic budget for most comic book fans. And as good as that book is, if you're forcing people to buy constant event books and event tie-ins, they're not going to take chances on books like that or Blue Beetle or All New Adam. So they're, they're, they're creating a, a self-fulfilling prophecy of these books of we're not going to, to you know, keep putting out or supporting these books because, because they don't sell. Well, you know what? You're creating an environment where it's hard for people to try them out because you are promoting these big mega events. And you know what? We as comic fans keep buying them, and that's why they sell, and that's why we keep getting them shoved down our throat. I've, I read Secret Invasion tonight. I don't want to be a big bummer um, on the show, but I, um, it, was, it, was, it was really bad. Well, I, I can hear you talk about Secret Invasion where it isn't. 
<laughs> I, I'm done. I'm done, man. Four four bu four bucks and and that uh, I'm I'm done. Hey guys, this is Chris. I'm calling from the future, and I just want to warn you: whatever I'm getting ready to say, disregard it. I was wrong. That's interesting. I, was, I mean, I haven't read number three of Secret Invasion, but I did read. Um, what was it? Uh, New Avengers forty one. David, is that yeah. that the latest one? Yep. And I mm. thought it was fantastic. Of course, I'm a I'm a a nut for for the Savage Land. So, but but here's a positive: um, a Brian Michael Bendis um, event book that I really really liked. Uh, Ultimate Origins number one. Yes, really enjoyed it. Yes, really enjoyed it. It was. Thank you. I'm like, okay, this is this is Bendis. This is Bendis writing good superhero books with thick plots and conspiracy theories and some really fun characterization going on with some deep seated you know history and interconnecting storylines. I'm like, okay, this is Bendis. I know he's a good writer. I, I know he can do this, and oh, and Butch Geis's art on it, awesome. That Hulk on that second page, leaping off it was the great. Box away. Oh, that was awesome. I put it down. I wanted to start reading it again, but it was time to start recording with you guys. Ultimate Origins, man, that's the Marvel event right now, as far as I'm concerned. After reading the first issue, it was a fun comic. Really yeah, I mean, was. it was it was a comics comic. I, I really liked it. The origin of Fury. You have Howlet. You have Fisk. Mm -hmm. No, it's 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 definitely. Yeah, I, I mean they I, they tie they tie Kingpin <laughs> into a World War II unit with Wolverine and Nick Fury. I mean, come on, that's awesome. That was, uh, it was it was a great. It was it was a my, my eyes I, are rolling in the back of my head right now. And and no, I mean, it's it's cool. And he's a and he's a crook. It's so good. Yeah, all three of them are. Yeah, yeah. It was it's, it was great. The Ultimates are just about the only Marvel books I don't buy. Man, Ultimate Origins, really good. Speaking of anthologies, is it odd that anthologies work in the independent comics arena? You have Dark Horse Comics Presents that ran for 150 mm -hmm. some issues, Fantagraphics, Moam, among other many other anthologies. Popcorn, popcorn, quarterly. Right, I was just going to say that popcorn drawn quarterly. You have Image takes a lot of risks with anthologies. The Starlight Drive-In came out today. Mm -hmm. um, 24/7. 20, of course, 24/7. New York City Mech. Um, there's just there's a certain group of people that enjoy anthologies, and then you have your superhero readers that don't seem to like them at all. Well, why well, is that? Well, okay, now when Chris said before about the big event books, what it it made me think about. Remember X Men Unlimited or Spider Man Unlimited? And yes. when okay, so we're talking about like the '90s. And those, you know, those were sold. Those you know, people bought them. You had Joe Mann artwork. You had Ron Lim artwork. You had, I mean, the Spider-Man Unlimited kicked off Maximum Carnage. I mean, it, these, these, well, these anthology bad books were pretty big. But also in the '90s, you didn't have event after event. You had, you had the annual crossovers like they would take four annuals like Punisher right. Hulk so you know and they Atlantis would like just throw like Atlantis, like that, right yeah. thank you you know little things like that the X-Men crossovers you know those annuals but you didn't have a big summer blockbuster like Civil War like Secret Invasion like Final Crisis like Infinite Crisis at the time you you were probably able to spend the money or take the risk on those anthologies plus There's... you had you had all those 
imagey type artist that especially Marvel, <laughs> I guess, wanted to clone. If I saw mm-hmm. a more fucking book by Mark Pacella, I was going to, I mean, I had to walk away from See, comics. Th- there's, there's no risk to an anthology like that because it's not a true anthology. When you have a book, a, a book that's comprised of all Spider-Man universe stories, that's not an anthology. Oh, no, that's, okay. that's targeted right to the character. Where, mm-hmm. where, and where you have X-Men Unlimited. That's just X-Men stories. Your typical X-Men fan will have nothing to complain about that book. But where, if you have a book like, say, Dark Horse Presents, where you don't know what you're going to get, one, one, one week well, you'll get I, Aliens versus m- Predator, you know? Yeah, you'll get X, you'll get Mass. Yeah, I mean, okay, so Marvel get, Comics Presents. But as far, I mean, yes, you're right. So it's not a true anthology because it's for that. It, it's like, you know, it's, one it's, of the it's Batman targeted. universe books, Batman right. family of books. And that's, right. But if the X-Men Unlimited, I think, would be a little more different than Spider-Man because if you, if you focus on Moira McTaggart for eight pages, you know, you're not going to get much information from her you're not going to get a story about her in uncanny x-men or an issue of x-men so at least now you have a few pages where okay i'm I'm finding out about about moira i'm finding out about you know whoever i'm finding you know and that's and and that's a that's a huge i mean aside from the scott eaton artwork i'm really really digging x-men legacy because you're getting some backstory as far as why xavier founded the x-men i mean you're getting some little things about what makes Chuck tick, and why he did what he did, and and X Men Legacy. I agree with Pat. It, it's the best X Men book right now, especially with astonishing ending. As far as I'm concerned, X Men Legacy is the best X Men book. But and no, I I, I loved Dark Horse Presents. Um, you know, I loved it more than Marvel Comics Presents. Right, but just the point I'm trying to make: a Myra a Myra McTaggart story is still an X Men superhero story. Sure, mm-hmm. I, I I think. I think an easy answer to that, Vince, is that people. And this wow. isn't just kind of, this isn't, what did I just go all Donald Duck? Donald Duck that time it was like choking like a ferret. Jimmy Hendrix. Hendrix. I, I think I think an easy answer to this is that most people, and not just comic fans, mm-hmm. want to either read or watch or listen to what they know because it makes them feel comfortable. And to expand your comfort zone is something that most people aren't, aren't apt to do until, until someone challenges them to do it. If no one's watching and no one's looking, they're going to grab the same comic that they've always read, or they're going to listen to the same music they've always listened to, or they're going to watch the same movies that they've always watched. But, anthologies by their nature challenge people to experience new things and they collect it in an easy to uh, easy to digest way and i don't know why they don't sell as you know better than they do but i think it comes down to people unless they're challenged to to their face aren't going to try and stretch themselves Mm -hmm. because they're afraid that they're not going to get it right but within the superhero genre there's no there's no stretch there's there's no challenge or yeah, it's very, it's very comfortable. Right. So why? That's just it. It just boggles my mind. Why anthologies don't sell? Well, for, we, for superhero readers, it, you're touching on it, Vince. I think to build off what you and Chris are saying, it's. I mean, I see it as really two things, right? It's a combination of number one, for better or for worse, superhero readers, and I'll include myself in this. We have a tendency because we've been reading basically the same characters for some of us, you know, thirty, forty years. We have certain built-in expectations of this this issue of continuity, and I don't just mean that everything has to fit into place perfectly, but I mean that you know there's history there. That's part of the reason we keep coming back. So we feel like we know these characters. So inherently, 
you know, an anthology, I think, isn't as appealing to someone because they feel, well, it's going to be a small story. It's not, quote unquote, as important. And I only have so many dollars to spend. So I'm going to get the ongoing book because I know that that might tie in someday into something bigger. And then the other thing I think practically is that, you know, the anthologies we're talking about as successes, you know, getting back to, I know you hate to talk about the numbers, but, you know, if Dark Horse Presents were to sell 10,000 copies right now, that would be a success, I would Right. Right. But Marvel will cancel the book if it's not, if it's selling twenty thousand copies. You know what I mean? So look, look at what happened to poor Action Comics Weekly. Those <laughs> the stories in there were great, and <laughs> I, I think they shot themselves in the foot with the decision to publish it weekly. But I mean, if it was Action Comics biweekly, maybe it would have done a little bit better. Right. Because all the the, the stories were solid solid stuff. Well, and then let's be fair. I mean, Brave and the Bold, right? I mean, I, this is how we got on start on this. You know, Wade made the point because he was talking about in this interview about you know how it wasn't as big a success as he would have liked, but it's still he made the point it's still outselling Action Comics. So, mm-hmm. you know, may, maybe that's saying something broader about the state of the DC universe. It's outselling Action, mm-hmm. even after that Legion arc. Uh, that well, this was an interview from what a couple weeks ago. So yeah, I presume so. Wow. I'm not reading Action, so I don't. Oh, Gary Frank's artwork's amazing in that. Oh, I tell you what, we talked about it on the last uh, ish, or the last episode of AC, the Toy Man arc, the or the, not, not arc, the Toy Man one shot yeah, issue was yeah. awesome. Really, it was so good. See, I expected that just to be a little catch your breath before the oh, brain, the brainiac. No, no, no. It's a whole. I mean, it's it's Jeff Johns doing what Jeff Johns does well, and that is take a a B or C list villain and give them a reason for being, and give them character and depth. And it was it was it was a perfect Jeff Johns issue because it, it's everything that he did with with the Flash and the Flash rogues you know to make you know professor Cole, um mm-hmm. you know relevant he did that with toy man who's a ridiculous villain but it, it, oh, it yeah it was great it was yeah. very good I, I got it on my stack and, and i i bought a record setting two marvel comics today which would probably make david happy a little bit criminal I, I, and uh, lovecraft no i did not buy criminal i bought omega the unknown all right. <laughs> and I bought Lovecraft. Oh, good God. Richard Corbin. There's a reason to rejoice. Mm-hmm. And it, it, which it doesn't make, it didn't make sense to me how a master of color would work, would want to work in black and white. I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with his stuff in black and white from the Warren days. But if, if you have a, an, as an unnatural color sense as Richard Corbin, why would you want to work in black and white? Now I know why. Oh, good God, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's amazing. And uh, the source material is some of the most solid horror stories ever written. I mean, Lovecraft, he's not a slouch. And and they, they lead off the first issue with Dagon. Oh, I, wa- I won't say a word. Just go out there. It's three ninety nine. Uh, you get cardstock covers, and it's a standard-sized comic book, but it's worth every penny. There's four or five text pieces in there, full page, text pieces that go along with the stories. Corbin is a master. I, I I would give anything to be able to draw like that. Nice. Can I can I throw out a couple uh, trade paperback recommendations that came out today? I sure. read one of your recommendations, and we'll get into that later. But yeah, go ahead. Wow. Oh. Um, first of all, Lobster Johnson, the Iron Prometheus, came out today. Oh so, yeah. So 
um, any fan of pop comics or Hellboy fans that didn't pick up the Lobster Johnson miniseries that came out, um, it's now available in trade paperback. Highly recommended. Really good pop story. But my my real pip pick of the week is it, it's a great value nine ninety nine from Image Comics Proof Volume One came out today. Nice. There you go. There you go. Yep. And it is uh, uh, Alexander Grecian and Riley Rosmo um, are the are the writer and artist on it. It is a fun kind of X Files um, type series, and it's got some. Uh, you were talking about text pieces. This has great text pieces and back matter material. It, it's a fun series. It really deserves to be read. So um, at nine ninety nine, you can't beat it. Pick up Proof Book One. Goat sucker. That's what. Today. That's exactly <laughs> what Image did with Dynamo Five, and that's how they got me hooked on that. Mm -hmm. They released the Dynamo Five, the first trade, as nine ninety nine. Gave it a shot. Loved the book. Uh, proof I had to pick up in singles just because of the subject matter. I'm a I'm a sucker for the paranormal stuff. <laughs> so uh, the first issue, you're right, just knocked me on my ass. The art is is a little. It it may be a little too expressive for your average superhero fan. Fuck but, them. Read it. Well, yeah, I know. Accept but, it. No, get once, to like it. Once you get in the groove and and you you see how the man works, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, it, you'll you'll really enjoy it. And it has the chupacabra. So <laughs> how, how could you go wrong? It's I, fun. It, it's funny. It's smart. It's got great adventure. It's just a really good comic. Oh, the sequence with the fairies freaked me out. Well, <laughs> the are awesome. I, we won't get into it for those who haven't read. I was going to say I've only read the first issue because I decided after issue one to wait for the trade because I figured it'd be yeah be nice to have on the shelf. But um, yeah, I mean, on that vein, I think it's been a great few weeks for uh, for trades. And another one, I know you mentioned the Starman Omnibus, which which I I couldn't agree with more. But uh, another one which I had pre-ordered a long time ago, and it was like uh, Christmas in June, seeing it in my box this week was uh, another image book, the nearly complete essential. Fred Hembeck archive on bus, which was absolutely off the hook. I mean, you're talking, I don't know how many pages it is. Let me see. I have it sitting here. I mean, you're talking Nine, about 916 or 18. Yeah. I mean, so you're talking about, yeah, almost yeah, over 900 pages of, and if those of you who don't know who Fred Hembeck is, I mean, he, you know, the guys, you've probably seen his stuff and don't know it, but um, I mean, it's just fantastic. I, you could probably spend a month reading just this and, oh, yeah. uh, I mean, these are dense cart. I mean, these are dense cartoons. Tons of words, beautifully drawn, very funny. And uh, I think at DCBS it was what it was. Um, eleven. Twelve bucks. Yeah, eleven bucks. Can't go wrong. I mean, it's twenty-four cover price, but still worth every penny. Really, really awesome stuff. The only thing that that the only drawback I could see to the image collected editions, the ink kind of comes off on your fingers. Well, does it really? Yeah, really. Yeah, because I was reading the uh, Noble Causes. Mm -hmm. Archives, Volume 1, at Chris Neesman's recommendation. Holy crap, what a book. Very good. I agree. I got that last week. Oh, my God. It's so, soap opera soap opera e goodness. But it, it's so hard to describe what this book is about. You can say it's about the adventures of a superhero family, and, that, and that'll pretty much encompass the overall theme of the book, but... I'll tell you, Farber is a is a genius. He he doesn't start from step one. He throws you in about halfway through the narrative, and then the characters will flesh out the backstory by these little asides and these brief little character interludes. Or he'll do a backup 
story within the issue that kind of fleshes out something that was mentioned so y you don't it's not linear at all but it's mm. awesome oh i love good. i love the backup stories and he um he abandoned those as the as the the series progressed and and oh, I really those were, yeah i thought those were fantastic character moments i'd love to see him go back to that but i the, Noble Causes is really a series that has been able to kind of grow and change and evolve and kind of become what it is. But uh, yeah, yeah, Jay's, that's a fun, fun book. And Farber, Fa and it's, 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 Farber? It's, 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 it's um, Farber. Farber. Farber, okay. Mm -hmm. I, this is not a knock against the guy's writing prowess, but these characters are nowhere near consistent, and that and that's a plus in my book mm -hmm. because you'll you'll have them there there are instances where the characters are rash and and impulsive, like almost as if they forget who they were, as they, they don't act in the ways where we normally see them act, and they'll do something completely out of character, but that's perfect because these guys are human it's it's awesome like this will not tweak the story at all but there's an there's a neglected child known as frost and he <laughs> he's kind of like Iceman, a biker version of Iceman, and uh he's a badass and he's he's mean-spirited because you know his mother kind of <laughs> gave him up at the insistence of of her husband so he's lived his life separated from his family he's he's bitter uh, no pun and right, intended and right and rightfully so right rightfully so but then there are instances in the book where he'll flip flop and he'll do something incredibly human and generous and mm -hmm. it's just amazing it's really really good book yeah and then it gets really complicated whenever they start jumping across different universes that's the and, only thing that I have a problem with with this book is that, uh, and you guys have yet to read it, so I won't give it away. There's an alternate universe <laughs> type deal in this mm -hmm. book, and for the character that accepted it so readily to have accepted it so readily, it it's a little bit it rings a little hollow to me. I actually that, that that's the only problem I have with it. I had um um. On, a, on an AC episode back in uh, in January, have a really long interview with Jay, and I, I I think if you're if we're talking about the same kind of moment and that that kind of like nice you know tie the bow ending to that storyline, right, right. I I think he was he was thinking that was going to be it, so he was trying to wrap up the series there, and then it kept going. Right. He he actually says that in the archive. There's a, a text mm -hmm. page where he admits that he thought it was over and done, you know, sign on the line, we're finished. And surprisingly enough, that's when the series got a regular monthly version. Mm -hmm. So he had to backtrack and make it seem like, you know, pick up the pieces. But it's still, it, it just seemed a, just a tad bit. I mean, I know it was done out of necessity, yeah. but it just seems a tad bit forced to me. But, but anyway. it's, a, it's a fun little, you know, fun little thing for no oh, causes fans because it's like the universe that you started with is no, it's, it's, a, it's a different, it's a different group of characters that we're reading now. So, you know, people that haven't read it go, it, it's really oh, yeah. good. Come, if you're a fan of the old, um, Claremont Byrne X-Men you'll jump right into Noble Causes oh yeah and just the, the roster of talent on this book Patrick Gleason uh, Amanda Hubba Hubba Connor mm -hmm. Jam Jamal Eigel's on it 
um, this Fran, Fran Bueno. That's bueno? when the that mm-hmm. right. That's when the book really took off for me. Was when Fran Bueno came on for the regular series. I think that art is just perfect for that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, knocked me out. It re- it tweaked my needle. Let's just say that. Hey David, what uh, I haven't listened yet. What, what's the uh, pick of the week in uh, Marvel Noise this week? It is that uh, it's that Wolverine one shot because of Ben Oliver. Um, the criminal was a close second. It, it was almost a pick, but um, it's a criminal story, so it's just so damn depressing. But it's mm-hmm. um, it's criminal can't be dismissed, and uh, basically anything this week other than Kick Ass would have been a pick of the week. Oh, not digging the Kick Ass, huh? Not digging the Kick Ass at all. That's, Especially is that Mark, the third Mark issue. Millar? Yeah, that's Miller. Uh, that's Miller. Uh, Miller. <laughs> Miller. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Miller. I, can under, I can understand why. What does it say about a writer when John Romita Jr. can't even make his work interesting? Dude, dude did you read 1985? I'm sorry. I'm going okay. no, to try and make Pat Willick very happy here. 1985 was It's good because awesome. of Tommy Lee Edwards. Yeah. No, I like the story too. It's awesome because of Tommy Lee Edwards. It's a neat story. I'm not, you know, great. So, so Miller, Miller gives us Civil War, and he gives us, and 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 he's giving us Kick Ass, and he gave us fucking Wanted, which I I refuse to read, and so he gives us all <laughs> this shit. And no, now, Wanted's good though. And 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 he gives us 1985, which I don't know if it's been sitting in the drawer for a while. I mean, I'm. I'm looking forward to Old Man Logan because of McNiven's art, but I'm really not looking forward to that Wolverine story. But 1985 is a really, really, really good book. Uh, and it's, it's, it's 99% because of Tommy Lee Edwards. The story's, you didn't, you didn't the like story, the story? No, no. The story is cool because we remembered that. We lived that era. Yeah. So, so there's, there's that connection to us. But, dude... JMS could have wrote this. Busiek, anybody else could have written it just, just because it's a Mar- It's not because it's Miller that that makes this book what it is. I yeah, but, to think but that. But he did write it, he and it was good. It. And man, he he, he he nailed he nailed the character moments. He pulled on the right nostalgia strings, and it it, it was paced well. I I was. I was really into the story. Yeah, that he, you know, that he, he kind of pulled out the tricks of, of, you know, using a lot of the, the things that happened in 1985 that we all remember fondly is, you know, okay, yeah, you know, I can see that, but it was, it was a well-written story. Yeah, it was, it was, it was welcome. It was written. I'll say, <laughs> I don't know about it, but it was well-written. Um, it was written. Dialogue, dialogue was strong. It was yeah, paced no, well. Right. Right. Good concept. So no, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give him props for that. No, yeah. Fantastic Four is a piece of shit. But uh, yes, 1985, that's the one I was trying to think of. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, 1985. It's it's good. Hey, I'm telling you guys, there there are there are a lot of books out there that are just terrible that that yeah. writers are are doing, and then the same guys are writing books that I'm just like, wow, this is really good. Well, you can tell what's I, love and, and what's just a paycheck. Either that, I, I don't know. Warren Ellis? <sighs> <laughs> no, I, no. I, I'd be real interested to. I'd be really interested to see what editors are on what books. Hmm. Take that for take that as, for what you will. As as far as Fantastic Four, though, I can't. Just like 1985 is as good as it is 
mostly because of Tommy Lee Edwards. Fantastic mm-hmm. Four isn't so bad only because of Miller. Hitch is not oh, impressing God. me with this book either. Speaking of terrible art, have you seen the, the big two-page spread? <laughs> exactly. um, the, uh, the big two-page spread promos for X-Men 500? No. Yeah, oh, I have. God, they're so who, who bad. Did, who they, are, they are. They are bad. Oh. Greg Land. Greg Land did it. It's, uh, uh, it's uh, fucking we, can't, we can't mention that name. Oh, all right. So you'll edit it out. So We're, No, I'm not editing anything. Oh, all right. So well, then I'll, I'll censor that name on the forum also. But the... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, it's, 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 it's real. I mean, the Wolverine pose and, uh, no, it's, it's yeah, bad. It's, the, it's, the, yeah. the thing, the thing that bothers me the most about Miller is his infatuation with the whole cult of personality thing. I'm sick of that. We, we saw it in the Ultimates. It's in the Fantastic Four now. Uh, it's a, it's a large part of Wanted. Uh, just the whole writing about the mega famous, just drives me crazy. I don't yeah. want to read. He, that. he clearly is obsessed with that. I agree, Vince. And maybe it works. In, it's funny. I mean, because uh, I keep hearing from everybody that 1985 is worth of read. And and, and when is. 1985 was solicited, that was pretty much at the pinnacle where I was just Millered out. I said, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm not buying another Miller vanity project. So I, I didn't order it. I mean, I order you know a boatload of books a month, and that's when I didn't order. And now I'm like, God, it's the one Miller book. It sounds like I should have ordered. Well, yeah, don't it, forget, yeah. when it was originally solicited, it looked a lot different than it does now. Yeah. What happened there? We talked about that this week on AC, but it was, what, what do you call that technique of the Fumetti? Right, Fumetti, yeah. Which is a, not a really good way to describe it, because Fumetti means comics in Italian, but Stan mm-hmm. just brought that, appropriated it for his own use, as with the art of Jack Kirby, but um, <laughs> no, uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was manipulated. It was photo manipulations. Mm-hmm. Some were well done. Some were not like the Hulk. There was, there was one panel where it was a, a, a fairly large panel on the page and the Hulk was underlit and there was a boy there and it looked like somebody's father out in the yard looking for a beer like he had a beer gun on him and it was just creepy looking so i guess the reaction was not all that good and they decided we better shift some gears on we, we better call tommy lee edwards call the master mm-hmm. that's who we'll call boy is he good oh my oh, god yeah he's amazing they can do no wrong karma to tommy lee edwards big karma which mm. has been enabled on our forum so if you want to join our forum at <laughs> I give, yeah, neg- I give negative karma to all three of you. I was going to say, whichever because... bastard gave me negative karma. That would be me. <sighs> Damn it, Neesman. BullpenBulletinsPodcast.com. Come on our forum, join up, and give Sal negative karma. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, hey, this is where I Why need to Why are you picking start. on the Mexican? Because he... he, 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 he He's Spanish. He's he Spanish. my, my oh, buddy Neesman. Right. He wounds him. He 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 disparages against him. Chris Neesman is the greatest podcaster in the history of the medium. No, stop yes, it. Yes, stop it. You're gonna yes. make me blush. What what That's all right. Hey everyone at eleven o'clock comics, it's Carlos Cordova here, C Cordova two on the forums. Yep, the eleven o'clock comics forum. And I was just calling to say great show, you know, it's nice having you guys all together. Everybody works real well together, bounces off each other really good. It's always nice to have David and Vince back together, tossing Chris to the mix and everybody. And 
and all these wonderful people that are on the show. I love it, and it's great, and every week it gives me something to look forward to. It's an hour that I enjoy spending. And let's see. And I was thinking about my big list of comics that I had this week, and, you know, it was it was a strong week. I had some really, really good books. You know, Batman R.I.P. is getting off to a nice kick-ass start, and I'm really interested to see where it's going. You know, there's Final Crisis, there's Astonishing X-Men, blah, blah, blah. All these fun books, you know, the Starman, obvious, oh, which is gorgeous. But um, the comic that I think I had the most fun with, I don't know if it would be my top pick, but it's the one that I had the most fun with was Fire Breather number one. Now, and now Phil Hester's story and Andy Coon's art is great, and I've been loving Fire 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 Breather since the first um, since the first issue that, in the miniseries that came out. And I'm glad to see that they're, I guess they're doing an ongoing, I believe this is. If it is, it's really cool. So I'm really glad for it. It's just a, it's just a fun concept. It's just a fun story. And I'm glad that we have it every month. But it's great to see Annie Kuhn's art on a monthly basis. So that's always really nice. So I just said, you know, that's just, that was my pick for the week. I guess I will go for it for my pick. I don't mind. Out of all the great comics that are out there, I'm going to take the fun one. The one that made me enjoy reading a comic, being a comic fan and reading a comic book. So... I don't know. I just wanted to call and say, great job, guys. Keep up the great work. You guys are a faithful listener, like always. And I will talk to you again. Take it easy. Uh, quick question for you guys. Mm-hmm. Any of you reading Transhuman? Trans- yes. Yes. Um, what do you think of it? Uh, first issue, interesting. I thought the two-page... We, uh, Tom... And I talked about this quite a bit. Uh, the two-page spread with the with the experimental apes was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Other than that, fairly interesting in the first issue. Second issue, I read it late at night. Was kind of tired, and it put me to sleep. I uh, couldn't agree. Couldn't agree with you more. I yeah. just read the second issue. As you guys probably know from, seems like every week I bring them up. I'm, I'm a big Hickman fan. Hickman's so, great, and Jonathan's yeah. a great guy. And uh, Pax Romana, really good. And if you haven't awesome. read Nightly News, you should definitely yeah, check it really out. Awesome. But, but getting back to Transhuman, I, I agree. I thought the first issue was was great, um, and there were moments in it that were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought it was really setting up for a really fun, fun. Well, I don't know if fun's the right word, but a, a very interesting and and um, um, unique story. And I think we're still on that path, but it's what I think it's only a four issue series. And yeah. issue two, it better, it I mean, better get it better get somewhere fast. I mean, issue two was all dialogue and not in the creative way the nightly news was dialogue. I mean, this was pretty much telling the story about what venture capitalists do. And since I share office space space with venture capitalists, I can tell you that they got the they got it right. But it's not very interesting to even people that do it for a living. So I can't imagine the average comic reader was very entertained by issue number two. You know, we we have a lot of comics out there that are all sizzle and no steak. This was all steak and absolutely no sizzle. Yeah, he needed a little A1, little A1 mm-hmm. on top of that. Yeah. yeah, it was it was all meat, but absolutely nothing that wanted me to you know turn the page. Mm-hmm. I have a question, mm-hmm. and I know we'll get into this probably more next week after everybody's digested it, but did anyone get the feeling from Final Crisis number one, the sequence where Metron confronts Anthro? Did anybody get a Garden of Eden serpent kind of vibe from that? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. It was definitely. I, I I I saw definitely the Prometheus connection, the the giving of the fire. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, and it, did, if you notice, there's a halo 
behind Metron's chair. Well, here's something for you to chew on. Yes. Metron is Libra. No. Mm. No, 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 no. I think I think so. He's oh, bound. I, I really hope not. He's balanced. Mm-hmm. And that could be what Metron was doing at the beginning was by offering him fire, yeah. he's balancing the scales. All the new Well, ter- see, I don't think it was fire per se. I mean Wait, I know that's the way it translates into the book, but I think it was he gave knowledge, him knowledge. wisdom, knowledge, yeah, yeah. yeah. All the new gods are in human form right now. Yes. Libra comes back from the cosmic plane and is getting stuff done. I really hope not. I really really do. Yeah, I don't. I think that would... Did we lose somebody? Yeah, we did. We lost David. Ooh, let's call him back. Maybe he just quit. He said, fuck it. They're talking about this. (laughs) No, he he said we're going over an hour, so he's like, he's he's quitting in in unity in protest for, for Tiki. (laughs) <laughs> wow, it, it seems like something has happened to his setup because uh, he's not picking up. I got an un- I got an unknown error, so we'll just uh, we'll try and get him in a couple minutes. We're okay. over an hour anyway, yeah. so that's okay. Let's roll. Yeah, but no, I, I that's that's really insightful. I didn't even think of that. Maybe that, I like that wood. I like yeah, that. I, I I don't know if I like it yet because you just told it to me. I have to let it sink in a little. Bit. <laughs> uh, well, you don't like it. You don't want to like it because I told it to you. No, that's not true. No, that's <laughs> not. That's not true. At all. Well, listen before uh, before we go, let me give you quick props on the um, on the men's adventure book that you recommended to us last week. I'm, I'm glad you like that. I got that this week, and uh, I haven't had a chance to really dig into it because it's been just huge, such a huge comic week, but. Uh, you know, it's just like you said. Every page is just eye candy and titillation. It's great. It's beautiful. Can, can I? Can I? Can I actually dog you on that? Because I call it Dave Windorf this week, and God, for a half hour, he goes on about that book. <laughs> well, and if I might recommend something in a similar vein to you in return. Sure. Hello. It's David. He's back. There He's he back. is. The uh, the pinup art of Dan DiCarlo. Yes, that was on my mm. list. Very, very nice. It's it's a wonderful volume, and I will I will volley one back to you. That's a Fantagraphics book, yes. Mm-hmm. They also have a couple of Bill Ward books. I, I saw them. Yeah, yeah. I did see them. So I mean, we can get a little click going here on the cheesecake artists. Maybe we could do a little spinoff, uh, the Twelve O'clock Cheesecake Podcast. <laughs> the, <laughs> nice. As long as it doesn't involve glory holes, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, and I did read Crawl Space Triple X because it came out in trade. Did you love it? Uh, Freaking phenomenal. Nunsuck is never going to be the same. <laughs> that's good, Nunsuck. <laughs> the babies, the scene with the babies. Uh, that, come on. The, that's, the, I, I, as, a, I, as a father of two young boys, that oh. page was honestly a little hard for me to take, but but uh, but in the context of the book, it was it was good. Dude, I read, I, read, I read that issue. And right after I read it, I went to Remender's forum over at the Image Comics site because I knew that people were going to be just losing their minds. And sure enough, there was a post about it. And, and I just, I, I think I posted something along the lines of, you're reading a book about 1970s porn stars and zombies, and this offends you. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I know they solicited it as a warning maybe not to be suitable for all ages, but there is not a mark. It's a book about 1970s porn 
actors and actresses and zombies. And I understand <laughs> that the, ti the title is Triple X Zombies, but there is not a mark on that. Technically, a kid can walk in a comic shop, take that up to the register and buy it. What if the owner doesn't give jack shit about anything other than Marvel and DC? He's not going to take a look at what it is. He's going to just give it to the kid. They took a real big risk with that book. I'm glad they did. I love it. I yeah. think it's, it's awesome. Testament for good or for bad, I don't think it's intentional, but it's, it really is a testament to, you know, the image model, right? Which is that right, basically right. they just you pay, they get a fee to publish your book, yeah. and uh, you, you do what you want. You know what? Rick, Rick Remender, Tony Moore, and Karen Dwyer, as far as I'm concerned, can do whatever the hell they want, and I'll buy it. You bet. Exactly. Yeah, they, I mean, um, I'm on board for what the Army of Frankenstein is that what's coming next? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. You know, I'm I'm not even going to put in the show notes that we talked about triple X zombies because they're going to be like, oh Jesus, here they go again. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. I just wanted to give you guys props because I finally got a chance to read it after hearing about it for a few weeks there. But yeah, it's awesome. And and the same thing happened on our forum. A bunch of guys, you know, just because we said it was good, they went out and got it. And they're like, oh man, this was awesome. Because it is awesome. Not just because we say it is. We we kind of have a, an idea what makes good comics, and that's a mm -hmm. damn good comic. It's mm -hmm. fun. It's it's a fun book, and that's you know, it's no secret that I that I really enjoy Recommender's comics because he writes fun comic books. And uh, End League, if you're if you're if you yeah. haven't checked that out, catch up because Eric Kennedy is going to take that over for for Matt Broom on art, and the End League is getting ready to turn. Not that Broom's art was bad, but Eric Kennedy is going to add a whole new element to that book that is going to be it's going to be one of the best superhero books out there and just uh, a very opportune time to recommend that chris because uh the first trade is being solicited this month in previews awesome it's a it's a slim trade though it's only the first four yeah. issues mm -hmm. speaking of previews huge 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 month for me maybe my biggest ever really yeah huh yeah well, this Wednesday, my no, that's today. Yesterday, my biggest DCBS box ever arrived. It was literally three feet off the ground. Sweet. It's only because the Gary Panther slipcase book was in there. That that thing is huge, and the Fred Hembeck book was in there. Mm -hmm. Savage Sword of Conan, um, Archives Volume Three, mm. and and it was really. Really, really thick. She's my wife was like giving me the hairy eyeball. Comics Journal. <laughs> so the, 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 there was a lot of trades in it. It's like, wow, look at this. It, there's nothing, no better feeling than seeing a huge honking box uh, of comics just and sitting there. Yeah. Hey, David, I have a question for you before we wrap up. Sure. You, you back with us, buddy? He is. I'm not I'm hearing not him. Here. No, he's uh, he's there. Uh, so, what did you think of uh, the way Iron Fist wrapped up? It Meaning, you know. No, I mean through issue fourteen, through, through the you know the the, the seven capital cities. Yeah. Uh, mm. I I I like the story of it. I like the way the tournament ended. I like the way how uh, how good triumphed, but uh, it's a little weak in some spots. I felt. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I mean, I did like it, and I think if I went back and read it, you know, a year from now in trade, I probably would like it even more. But uh, and I think I might have mentioned this to you on your forum, on the forum. But I, I mean, I'm okay with with filling artists, but I, I had a real problem with there being three or four different artists on the book each and every month. I mean, because they, I know they tried to get guys that were relatively consistent, but phew, 
I'm sorry, you give us David Aja to start, and then you start giving me Cano. Mm-mm, it's not working. <laughs> not in the, the same the, book. You, if you give me a Cano issue, maybe I could deal with it, but you can't give me four nice pages of Aja art surrounded by Cano. I'm sorry. I thought it was an interesting concept to have a different artist for each different time period whenever they had the multi-layered storylines. I thought it was a great concept, but the book wasn't consistent enough in that, in, in that approach. Um, it would take issues, complete issues off from doing that. Um, so I, I liked it, but I think it could have been, I could have, I think it could have been great and it was good. I mean, they, I can't even really get too upset about the tournament because Danny was out early on, wasn't he? Like, did then he like lose in the second round? Well, the idea was that he lost and then was supposed to win the battle royal, but there never was a battle royal. There never was one, and then you had everybody. Um, I, I think some parts toward, especially with uh, damn, I can't even think of his name right now. The dude's son. The, the, the biggest rival of Dave. Oh, uh, was it uh, the uh, 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 Davos. Davos. Serpent? Davos. Or, right, thank you, yes. Mm-hmm. It, that felt a little rushed, like, okay, well, you know, you can either join us to fight these guys or you can just, you know, keep living your life to try and destroy Danny. And is there were just some things that did feel a little... It And like Chris just said, could have been great. It was good. Yeah, if you go back and read it with the annual... And and not, it's not towards the end. It wasn't so much an Iron Fist story. You know, you had Luke and Misty and Colleen, and then mm-hmm. you had all the other fighters. It really wasn't an Iron Fist title in the last couple issues. In, I agree. In, yeah. Do, do you feel Do you feel like Danny's history is a little bit more fleshed out, and Iron Man as 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 a legacy character has a little bit more depth and weight to him now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think there there is now room to tell a lot of interesting stories with that character now, mm-hmm. whether it be you know ongoing with with Swarzynski taking over, or you know in a year or two in some other capacity. I mean, I think it's it's definitely broadened the character. Yeah, I I really I we've talked about this before. I I hope the I hope the book is allowed to to stay around and and get some legs under it. Um, under you know a, a different creative group, but uh, I I I don't see that happening. I, I I hope they give it you know a good thirty issue run, but I have a feeling it's 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 not long for this world, which is a real shame because that's a character that deserves a book for a while. I thought the seven pages were excellent, John Seven. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the rest of Ethan, yeah, no, the, when they, when, when, I mean, they struggled on a lot of the, I mean, even in the, uh, in the annual, you had Dan Breathton. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, you really have some mm-hmm. fantastic how, artists. Howard, I mean, th- th- start naming the artists that were on that, you know, Chaker, Howard Shaken on the annual, Russ, uh, Russ Heath, Heath yep, Russ John Severs. <laughs> uh, so good you gotta say it twice. That's right. Oh, God. So good, I gotta say it three times. Russ fucking Heath. Oh, that's that's right. his middle name. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Ask Tom Caters. <laughs> <laughs> he, share, he shares it with Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Don't when, fuck with the Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> the Jesus or the Hazel? Say, I mean, think about that. They had they had John Severin and Russ Heath doing art on that book. Incredible. Well, I agree with you, but Chris, that's kind of my complaint is that I think they did a little bait and switch on us. Because in the beginning of the series, when I was... It was, it was, it was pitched as an Aja book. 
Yeah, oh, when yes. I thought it was pretty much the best book that Marvel was putting out, at least right up mm-hmm. there. Exactly. It was Aja doing the story with a very competent, if not super competent, fill-in artist doing a period piece within it. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. was perfect because he had that juxtaposition. But, I mean, it, I could be wrong here, but it seems to me that given the the last few issues, you know, basically, I, as I understand, Aja's wife just had a baby and he's basically not going to be doing anything for a while because uh, he wants to focus on that. But it just seems to me like the fill-ins became not about different story periods or arcs, but more about just getting the pages in in time. And yeah. uh, and that's just, that's a totally different mm-hmm. beast. Yeah, and, and, and like I said, it, they started out with a great concept of having, you know, Aja doing the main storyline, and then you have these these amazing, you know, I mean, historically important artists doing these doing these flashback pieces about the legacy of the character, and that was, you know, for for you know, long time comic book fans, that was that was you know a a great a great nod to the history of not just Iron Fist but to comics in general, and that's what made it great. As the series went along and schedules became an issue and and blah blah blah, it went from being great to good, and it went from being one of my favorite comics to being one that I enjoyed. And very well, that's, yeah. So yeah, cool. Hey, Chris. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite Noble Causes character? Oh, Frost. Yeah, yeah. Frost or uh, Rusty would be a close second. <laughs> Ooh, Rusty, really? Yeah, I, I think Rusty is the. I think Rusty is the the heart of that book. Wow. See, I I, I agree with you on Frost. I think I have a, two favorites: Frost and I. I love Liz. I think Liz is great. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, Liz is the is. Uh, you say Frost is the heart. I think Liz is the strength of that book. Yes. Very, very, very believable character. The, after reading the entire Noble Causes archive, 600 pages, right? Must be close to 600 pages. Big. I really do not understand Celeste. I love Celeste. I but, love Celeste. I, I, but I don't understand her. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know why she does the things that she does. She doesn't understand who she is either. Huh. Maybe that's, that's a good point. Yeah, because you look, she she loves Rusty, but she's terrible to him, and she really is a hero, but she has kind of the heart of a villainess at times. Celeste doesn't know who she is. I I would I would I would you know bet if you if you pegged you know Jay down and said explain Celeste to me as a character that he would say something along those lines. But you know I I. You know, I love it because it really is a soap opera, and you can have characters like Frost or Celeste that one issue they're good, and the next issue they're complete bastards. Yeah. Why no love? Why no love for Zephyr? Um, just because she's like a little bit too much in the Paris Hilton mold, I think. I love it. I think that's why she's great, though. I think because she, I mean, she, she grows was up Paris Hilton. She, yeah, yeah, she does. She was grow Paris Hilton before Paris Hilton, really. Right, but oh, not to say there wasn't that archetype. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. She was. <laughs> yeah, I, I also I'm I'm very endeared to Krennic too, mm-hmm. the, the whole boy who doesn't want to be king mm-hmm. thing. But he's not squeaky clean either, uh, as evidenced by his, you know, dalliance, dalliance with the with the ladies of the night. But uh, to turn him away and not even realize that this guy's head over heels in love with you, I just think. Zephyr's really superficial. I know she matures as the book goes on, but she's still not there now. And going back to Celeste, when you have a boyfriend who can turn his dick to ice, 
Come on, <laughs> you're, you're gonna you're gonna take that over a robot any day. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a perfect I, way to cap the uh, episode. Yeah. Uh, wait, wait, just have to ask David. David, who do you like? Well, you said it. I I I think I well. She's the kind of she, she's the one we have to kind of relate to because she's the normal person amidst all these fools, and and that's Liz. I I like Liz, Rusty. Rusty doesn't do much for me only because you know I've seen you know we've had Cyborg, we've had Robot Man, we've had you know all the other robots that have been. He's frustrated. <laughs> so I just I as was I, Cliff. I, I I'm not I'm not <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. I'm not. I mean, I'm. Frost is is the typical kind of badass. So I mean, he doesn't. He's not one that I. I really liked Race. I really did. You know, yeah, it, it's a shame that cool. we got him in that first issue and in that flashback with with Krennic where they were going for the year. But um, which was I, very I, cool too. Yeah, that was neat. Um, you know, definitely not gay. Definitely not uh, not dad. Yeah, dad's you know, dad's a pretty much a tool. Yeah. So no, I I, I mean, really, it, it only. Really, I mean, I like Krennic, but really, the only one that I, I really am attracted to that I, I, I enjoy reading in the book is because she gets chewed out, or she's not <laughs> sure what's going chewed on. Out, does she? <laughs> <laughs> she, you know, she's not. You know, she, she went on in, in second miniseries. She goes on the uh, starting off the series. She goes on the interview show, and that's when they drop the bombshell about you know Zephyr. Spoilers about right. Zephyr being pregnant. Then, uh, you know, she gets back to the mansion. And and she gets yelled at because of how she reacted to that. It's like, well, not, what the hell would you and I? Well, what would you or I do? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not like, her world. That that right, exactly. Yeah. And and we're thrown into that, so we're seeing it through her eyes. So she's she's my favorite because that's the one we're supposed to relate to. And how it's really cool. interesting because oh, I'm sorry, Evans. I'm oh, just going to say that uh, reading this, and then you know, as as you guys know, I'm a big Alan Davis fan, so I've been reading the the you know clandestine. Uh, mini and and you know I, I read the original series as well. It's it's hard for me now because I I'm now looking at Clandestine in such a different light because I'm comparing the two, maybe unfairly so, but you know Clandestine is like a you know a powered kind of quirky family. You know it's I mean at least on the surface there are some similarities, and it's making me look at Clandestine as a much less accomplished work. Wow. I mean visually it's still gorgeous, but but the writing vis-a-vis this Noble Causes because I think that it's Noble Causes. Is, a lot more entertaining page for page, you know. I'll, I'll say this about it: I love Invincible. I think Invincible is pretty much one of one of the best superhero comics in a long, long, long time. I would compare Noble Causes to Invincible. It's that good, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it fits in with that universe. It's yeah, uh, they're all connected. Yeah, and, and it's, it's it spawned Dynamo Five too. Yep, and Gemini. Yeah. And I tell you what, there's a, a good little one shot out there that uh, people should check out called Firebirds. Really fun one shot. And mm-hmm. it ties it's it's Jay Ferber and it ties right into the Invincible Dynamo Five Noble Causes universe. Check mm-hmm. out Firebirds if you have a chance. Really, so really good one shot. That's the Firebird that was on the alien planet with the Frost and the Rusty. That's the same Firebird? Yep. No kidding. I totally ignored that book when it came out. Yep, that's the mother and Firebirds is about the mother daughter team that uh, oh, um, that emerges, and it's really good. And uh, um, there's another um, short lived series that um, 
oh crap, what was it called? It was uh, Jamal Eigel on art as Venture. Yeah, he's a, he's another tool. Um, but that was that was another pretty good pretty good little uh, six issue series that uh, was ill fated. Um, but Jay wrote that, and he fits into that into that universe as well. Wait, talk about universe building. Good oh. God. Yeah, mm-hmm. Savage Savage Dragon. Yeah, I, oh, I I really like the uh, what was it the anniversary party when you know Savage <laughs> Dragon was there and uh, mm-hmm. in, uh, Invincible and you saw Brit and it was just bring it all together bring it bring it. Well, did you read that the Dynamo Five Annual? Yeah, it just reprinted the uh, Noble Causes stuff. Um, some of it. But oh, um, some of the other stuff was written from another perspective, so oh, cool. it kind of so it kind of expanded on it. I but, have it in the in the stack here. I just yeah, it's in my brief, stack. Mm-hmm. I briefly yep. looked through it, and it looked like uh, I said, Ooh, "I guess it's a reprint." So I, I'll have to pay more attention to it when I there you go. Yeah, mm-hmm. all right. We are way over time this time. So mm-hmm. Woo-hoo! we we won wood. We we got <laughs> him to go over again. Yeah. I... <laughs> Sorry about right. that, Tiki. Uh, hey, you can't win them all. So join us next week. When... It was Tiki's fault because of the bourbon. How, how was that bourbon? Smooth? Oh gosh, it's so good. I'm a Maker's fan. I'm more of a more of a Fortune Brands fan when it comes to the bourbon, but uh, the Maker's very very tasty. Makes a good. By the way, hold, um, holds up to the vermouth. Makes a very nice Manhattan. Speaking of getting your drink on, mm-hmm. do you guys drink when you uh, record AC? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? How many? I don't know. I mean, seriously? Seriously? Yeah, I don't. I mean, do you? That's that's the lube that greases oh the, the AC yeah, machine. All I gotta say is, Caters mm-hmm. cracked me up this week when he said "Ghetto Bird." I lost <laughs> it. That was the best. I'm a huge Ice Cube fan. I was one of uh, four white guys that saw him in concert back in 1995 <laughs> at the Troc in Philly. So uh, it was awesome. So Tom, 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 Tom will always have a comment for for everyone to uh, to latch on to. And I actually used the Ghetto Bird comment whenever I was playing Call of Duty um, for last night. So <laughs> sweet. There you go. As Nacho Libre would say, he's debased. <laughs> yes, he is. Tom. Are- Tom Tom Caters is the heart and soul of around comics. No An doubt about it. elbow to the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just veggie <laughs> pants. Just for fun. Join us next week when? 11 o'clock. That's right. Say bye-bye, people. Bye-bye, bye-bye people. people. Not like this. <laughs> Good- goodbye. <laughs> See you on the forums, folks. <laughs> Read Witchblade. <laughs>